Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining me tonight on a Sunday night. Um, hello to everybody that's saying hello to me. Thank you very much for uh, joining me. Just a minute or so uh, late here and getting going because for the third or fourth time this week, Instagram has blocked uh, what I've posted. Um, you can still, if you hit it, you know, the, the black screen where they've got the big X's, uh, where their sensors have decided they've, I, I've said something that's false. And, <laughs> and this time I was just um, announcing that I was going to do a Facebook Live here in a few minutes here on, on Facebook. That's kind of, that's all I said. I mean, I'm, I might have given a few ideas about what we might talk about in terms of what I think the threat assessment is for the rest of the week. But uh, I, th I think just they have robots that must do this. They just go through and I had posted the poster uh, that the terrorists had been posting all over uh, D.C. And, and other states this week, um, posters that were calling for our, an armed march today on the state capitals and the U.S. Capitol with guns. I thought, I thought people should know about this. And, um, and uh, what was the other thing? Oh, uh, my friend, uh, the congressman from Flint, uh, Dan Kildee, um, trapped up in the gallery inside the House chamber during the uh, assault, um, videotaped some of what was uh, going on. And, uh, and the fear that the members of Congress were in, laying out flat on the floor, and then they hear the gunshot that goes off. I believe it's the, the gunshot where they shot one of the terrorists that were trying to get in through the, uh, through the doors of the, of the House chamber. It's uh, it's amazing more people didn't die. Yeah, it's um, there were five who died, and then another uh, Capitol police officer committed suicide the next day. First of all, um, I have some new thoughts, and I have some uh, some different thoughts about um, what is uh, what's transpiring uh, here in the country around the country, uh, on Capitol Hill in D.C., and around the uh, 50 states. And I've, uh, I've done my own investigating and my own talking to people and my uh, uh, people that are familiar with what's going on inside the militias. You know, I've covered these militias for since, uh, really since the late 70s, uh, back in Michigan. And... Um, um, and getting a sense of where I think things are at. Uh, I believe for the short term, for this week, we, the good guys, have won. Won in the sense that uh, I don't believe they're going to proceed with their threats of further armed violence uh, at the Capitol or at the state capitals this week. Um, they've made a decision, various militia groups and right-wing extremists and, and the crazies, um, that it's not safe for them to proceed with any further actions like what they did on January 6th uh, because they may not live this time. And I think the show of force has probably been a good thing for them uh, they've seen the National Guard show up with their uh, rifles. Uh, 
they're long guns. And um, I think they know that the National Guard is not there. Those guns are not there to arrest them. The, the, the guns are not used to arrest terrorists. Those guns are there to put a bullet through their heads. That's the purpose. The Guard and the armed forces are trained to shoot to kill, not to wound, not to maim. Um, and they don't use the gun like they're, like they're handcuffs where they're going to somehow arrest people. Um, so I, I, I want to be clear about this. I think that um, they're going to be too afraid to attempt anything. I think they think that they made their point. I think they think that they won that day. They are emboldened. They, they are uh, full of um, the belief that they put fear and terror into everyone in the country. And to, and to have 25,000 National Guard have to be sent to D.C. and to literally put up miles and miles of, of a strong fence that nobody is able to climb or tear down, that's a huge win for them. The fact that, that we are going to have to have uh, an inauguration this week where the person who the vast majority of the country voted for uh, is not going to have the day that he and his vice president, she, should have. So they've, they corrupted that. They put a stop to that. Now, look, it was already not going to be a very big event anyways because of the pandemic. So let's, let's be clear about that. The Constitution said that the, the, uh, both houses of Congress were to certify the Electoral College votes on January 6th. They succeeded in that not happening. They were not officially, finally counted, and, and Biden and Harris declared the victors until after 3 in the morning on January 7th. These are big victories for them. They were able to shut us, we the people, down. They were able to kill a cop. They were able to injure 60 cops. They kept saying, we're, we've been sent here by the president. Their leader told them to attack Congress. Go up Pennsylvania Avenue. Stop the vote. And now we're learning that they were going to stop the vote, possibly by kidnapping and executing members of Congress, most specifically uh, the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, and Mike Pence. It's, we have to understand that they decided to start a war against us, against this country, on January 6th, and that war is not over. They don't think it's over. They feel like they won the first battle. The sergeant of arms of both houses have had to resign. The Capitol Police Chief has had to resign. Heads have rolled. They're happy about that. And they see it as a victory. And they see that this war is going to continue. Because nothing is really going to change the sickness in their heads, which tells them, 
that Joe Biden was never elected president of the United States. They will not. We have got four years of having to deal with this. So we're going to have to deal with it. That's why we can't rest on on the fact that, well, we got away with no further violence this week. We have to be prepared for that and and dealing with a country, dealing with the 74 million Trump voters who believe that Donald Trump is still president. And we can't just bemoan that. We can't just wish it away. This is going to be a very, very difficult thing uh, for us to deal with. The war, their attack, their terrorist war, their terrorist attack continues. It is not over. But there's a bit of a, I think, a, um, a bit of relief. I don't want to make this too strong that we, because I don't want anybody... And I was sitting back and thinking, oh, well, this is, this has, this too has passed. That's not true. Um, I think what's most, here's what I think the biggest threat is right now. I don't think it's QAnon. I don't think it's the, the Proud Boys or the Boogaloo Boys or all the boys. I mean, they are a danger. Um, I don't think it's the malicious per se. The biggest terrorist threat, this reminds me of a whole spate of horror films from the 80s and 90s where um, the teenage girl is babysitting or she's up in her bedroom and the phone rings and she picks up the phone and some insane, crazy monster of a guy tells her that she's not going to live. Well, and then she immediately hangs up, and but she tries to call out. She tries to call out to 911. She locks the door. He calls back. He said, no, you don't, you don't, I don't think you understand. I'm not calling from someplace across the street or across town or whatever. The call is coming from inside the house. I'm calling you from downstairs. I'm already in the house, right? We've, a lot of you probably maybe haven't seen those movies. And of course, when they started making those scary movies, scary movie one, scary movie two, they would always um, uh, satirize that, that particular scene. But that's really what we're going through right now is that the threat isn't so much coming from the woods of Michigan uh, from a trailer park in the desert of Arizona. The threat, the real terrorists, are already inside the house. This is what we've learned from the attack on January 6th. That there were a number, and I mean a large, as one news agency said, an alarming number of current police officers from around the country and ex-police and current active duty military and ex-military were all there participating in the coup, participating in the attack on the Capitol. And they were there and they were armed and they had armor on and they're the ones with the walkie-talkies. They were doing a lot of the logistics. They knew what to do. That's what they do for a living. 
And the scary part about this is that you had all of these white police officers, and they've already shown some pictures of, uh, there's a couple of NYPD, there's a couple from Seattle, uh, there's a couple from Virginia, there's, but they, they figure at least now, right now, they think about 15 police agencies around the country sent actual officers there, not in cop uniforms, but in plain clothes or camouflage or whatever, to participate in the attack and the takeover and the stopping of the counting of our democratic votes. Actual police, actual military. This is now a fact. So now we know this. And I want to, I'll post on Facebook here after we're done, these two studies that have been done in the last 15 years to show the intense level of white supremacists who are in law enforcement all across the country, actual white supremacists, and then a whole nother group in our police agencies of what they call, this is an FBI report. One is an FBI report from October 17th, 2006, and the other is a Homeland Security report from uh, 2009. Both reports were ignored. The FBI report, I think it was t- entitled uh, white supremacist, right? White supremacist uh, increase in law enforcement across the country. Um, these, this has been going on now for a decade or two and probably longer. But the FBI and the Homeland Security did their own investigations of this to say we've got a huge problem because we have white supremacists, white supremacist sympathizers, and just hardcore racists occupying police departments all across the country and and occupying branches of our military. It's gotten so bad in the military. The military has done their own investigation of this, the Pentagon, where the Joint Chiefs of Staff had to issue a statement here in the last week or so to all the troops in all five branches of the military. Sorry, I I can't... Say it with a straight face that the Space Force is a branch of the military, and it demeans the other branches of the military to call that a branch. So, sorry. Hopefully Biden will fix that. Um, but they, had, they the Joint Chiefs of Staff had to send a memo out to all active duty service members reminding them whose side they're on. It's amazing that they even needed to do that that they had to warn their own members of the military that you are to follow the Constitution and you are to obey us, not the commander-in-chief. That's the was the implied between the lines thing. But they're that worried about it. They knew this was already being cooked up. They knew that a lot of active duty and ex-military wanted to participate in this takeover, in this coup. Didn't you wonder in the last few weeks why the Joint Chiefs of Staff had to remind active duty service members that their duty was to the United States Constitution? Didn't you wonder a few weeks ago why the, the, the 10 living secretaries of defense um, had to issue a statement saying that their 
there has to be a peaceful transfer of power. Did you wonder, well, what were they worried about? What did they know? What did they know? What did the Capitol Police know? We still can't get an answer. We still can't get one big press conference with all of them together. The mayor of Washington tried to have one on Friday, but the National Guard wouldn't show up. Homeland Security didn't show up. FBI didn't show up. Secret Service was there. Um, uh, Capitol Police wasn't there, probably for the better that they weren't. But it, it's just amazing that they still, because they don't have their story together. That's the problem. They don't have the story together, and they don't know really how many of their members of the military or police across the country participated in this coup. And they're embarrassed by it, as they should be, that they let this happen when everybody kind of knew something was going to happen. So so I think that there's a big cover-up going on. And I think, um, I think there are people in the executive branch that knew what was going to happen. I obviously now we know that members of Congress, Republicans, had given tours and helped out. Maybe some of the leadership, some of the, the key people, got the day before January sixth on January fifth. They were shown the ropes. They were shown here's where you go. Here's the tunnels. Here's how you get from there to there. That's Chuck Schumer's office. Wow. So, um, and I think I want to start referring to this to what it was. This was a white race riot. These were white cops, white ex-cops, white military, white ex-military, white Republicans in Congress, white Republican staffers who helped who helped, who aided and abetted. Because, listen, I mean, I don't know, some of you, my fellow white people, I know this, some of this just feels like a bridge too far. But I don't you know anybody who is black or brown, not white? They'll tell you the truth. They know what this is. They see what the underpinning foundation of all of this is. It's, it's, a, it's a fear of a black planet. It's the fear that white people are not going to have power in a few years. And demographically, that's correct. And I've said this for a long time. There's nothing you can do about this. And I know a lot of them, they're angry. They're angry because relatives, now everybody's marrying everybody else. Because we've raised two generations of young people that, by and large, the vast majority of them, they're not haters, they're not bigots. They want to marry who they fall in love with. They don't. The skin color seems like a ridiculous consideration. So good on them. Good on the kids. But this is driving these white guys crazy, absolutely crazy, that the country they think is theirs, that was founded by, as Charlton Heston said to me in Bowling for Columbine, by those wise old dead white men who gave us this country. And this is what they're afraid of. Let, let, me, let me say this. 
we can, we have work to do this week. We have to um, demand that a number of things happen. And number one is we have to cut the head off the snake. And the head is the person who has to stand trial in the United States Senate starting this week. He must be convicted and removed and prevented from ever running for office again. If we don't do this, if we allow Trump to get away with this, if anybody listens to all this BS about, oh, why are we doing this? He's gone. We got other things we got to do. Yeah, we have other things, and Biden and his people are going to do them. But if we, if we, this is the worst crime a president could commit to incite the overthrow of the, of the, of the counting of the votes and thus the overthrow of the democracy and to send people he knew were going to be violent and were going to do what they did. And when cries of help were sent to the White House to send in the National Guard, calls to the Secretary of the Army, no. It's, here's something that's really that's amazed me about, if you've watched some of the new video. So they all started getting their way into the Capitol building after 1 o'clock. The building was not secured again until after 8 o'clock. The National Guard, I think, didn't show up till. After five o'clock, but they're all in the building all this whole time, and and then when they, it's it's time for them to leave to get out of there, they're not arrested as they're coming out. By this time, Metropolitan Police have showed up, Park Police, National Guard, and they all just leave. By the end of the day, there's twelve arrests, the majority of those being curfew violations. You've seen in the footage now a number of police just standing around in there. Maybe they didn't know what to do. Maybe they realized they were outnumbered. But you also see some Capitol Police waving waving the crowd in. They get when they broke through the fence outdoors. Come this way, this way. Capitol Police officer pointing them to Chuck Schumer's office. I'm telling you, my friends, this was an inside job. It was ignited and initiated and incited by the President of the United States. And it was aided and abetted by Republican members of Congress and their staff who helped the people know where they needed to go. So the first thing that has to happen right now this week is Trump has to go on trial, he has to be convicted, and he has to be prevented from running for office again. If we can't do that to the person who sent them there to do what they did, we are going to pay a huge price for this. The four years of the Biden administration are going to be racked with with one incident after another, and we're going to have a very hard time getting anything done, and that's just the way they want it. And it's the way Trump wants it, too gloating as he watched as he watched the attack on the Capitol taking place. Forced by his aides to finally go out and make some statement, but also telling telling the terrorists that we love you. You're special people.
because he hated, he said later, he just, he said that he hated having to say anything to them. They were doing exactly what he wanted them to do. So he has to be tried and convicted. Any member of Congress who participated in this has to be removed. You remove them with a two-thirds vote. So the Democrats have, um, you know, more than half of the House. And, um, and they just need a few good Republicans to join them, and they've got to kick them out. And then they should be prosecuted for the treason that they committed in helping this coup take place. We have to do these things, my friends, or we're just going to see more and more and more of this. And then everybody who participated in this event, all the people that, that broke in there, all the people that committed acts of violence in there, they have to be arrested and they have to be prosecuted and they have to be tried and they have to pay for this crime. Excuse me for that. Every single one of them, especially any police officer or military active duty member of the military that took part in this must be met with serious consequences. If we don't take this position, if we wimp out on this, fellow liberals and lefties and, you know, quinoa friends, friends of tofu, seriously, folks, this is not our moment to wimp out. This is our moment to stop this or we are going to pay the price for this, maybe for the rest of our lives. So I'm telling you right now that you must demand this. You must call your member of Congress. If it's a Democrat, it'll be clear what you want them to do. If they're a Republican, you know, there were 147 Republicans that voted to not count the votes of the American people. After after they were ransacked and they were hiding and running for their lives. They went back into the Congress and 147 Republicans voted for sedition. They have to go as far as I'm concerned. It means that there's another, I don't know, 60 Republicans that wouldn't do that. So we don't go after them. And they join with us to bring some order to this and to make sure that those who committed these violent actions have consequences. You must demand this. You must call Congress tomorrow and have your voice heard. Have the, the, the clerk that answers the phone mark you down. They're going to show their members how many people have called in the next few days. It's so important that you do this. It's very easy to call the House or the Senate, um, and um, I think I can remember the number, actually. It's a 202-224-3121. If I've got that wrong, somebody write, write it on the screen right now, but I think I got it. You can dial either 224 or 225, and then it's 3121. And remember, the area code's 202. And if you don't know who your member is or your center, you just give them your zip code or your state and the operator then will connect you to the right person.
but we can't be silent about this. We must demand the trial of Trump and his conviction, and we must demand that anybody who aided and abetted is thrown out and prosecuted, and those who voted to throw our votes out on that night, they've got to go too. They've got to be removed. And the larger problem of why we have so many racists and white supremacists in our police departments and in our Congress, that's got to be dealt with. That's the problem. The, the problem isn't defunding the police. It's defunding the, the racists and the white supremacists who are in the police department. And it's redirecting the funds so that our police are more effective. So they're not being asked to do things that they don't know how to do and don't want to do when people call, when people have a need for help. We have to fix all these things. I know it's, it sounds like a lot that's on our plate. But if we don't do this, if we don't take care of Trump, if we don't take care of these Republican members of, of Congress, if we don't take care and deal with the terrorists who broke in to the Capitol building, if we don't do our best to remove every Republican in 2022, they have to be crushed, as one of their former Republicans said on TV this week, Steve Schmidt. They have to be crushed. They've gone too far. It's not just that they have another opinion that's different than ours. They believe in violence, and that has to stop. And as I've said this week on, on TV, we in Michigan made a mistake by not arresting uh, those militia who in April, after Trump tweeted out to them, liberate Michigan, remember that? On April uh, 17th. And then they came into our Capitol. It wasn't a protest just outside. They came inside with their guns and then circled the balcony, looking down on the senators with their guns. We let that go by. We let, it, we let that go by when they showed up at our Secretary of State's house at Christmas time. She was with her kids there putting up decorations. They brought their guns and stood there out on the lawn. We got to January 6th because we in Michigan didn't stop this. And they saw they could, they could get away with it. And if they could get away with it in Michigan, maybe they could get away with it in D.C. This is why we have to speak out when this happens. And you can't, and it's like, I know a lot of people didn't want to call the attorney general in Michigan and say, or criticize because she's a Democrat, the governor's a Democrat. You got to get over that stuff. You have to do what's right. You have to make your voice heard. This is not going to go away on its own. At the very least, we have to protect ourselves. We have to protect our representatives who are there doing our business. And Biden Please, I know you've said it, but don't let anybody talk you out of it. You have to have this inauguration on Wednesday, outdoors, right where it's held and been held for the last 150 years, longer than that probably. You have to be there on the steps, outdoors. Don't give in to the terrorists. They've won if they forced you into a bunker where you can take your oath. The protection can be there. We have enough, we have enough there. In fact, we have too many there right now. 
We have so many guard there and so many po- police have come and are coming from like a two dozen other cities. This is, again, just makes them gloat that they're able to make this sort of thing happen. We can take care of these people. But to create the, the image of a police state, an armed, an armed uh, uh, troops that occupy the city, this is not how we want to live. This is not how we want to be seen around the world. They should try to do everything that they can do that they're planning to do with the inauguration. They should continue to do it. And Biden should give the strongest speech of his life and let them know who's in charge. We, the people, are in charge. We call the shots. We who elected him to office. And they're going to just have to have to accept that. You know, hundreds of years ago, people didn't want to accept that the earth was round. Eventually, they came around to it. Same thing with these people who don't believe that Biden won. And we have to deal with, we have to redefine the word terrorism. One of the main terrorists in this country is the ex-governor of Michigan, Rick Snyder, who was finally arrested this week, but only on a misdemeanor charge for poisoning the people of Flint. If you poison a city of 100,000 people, and if you cause permanent brain damage in 10,000 children like he did, you don't get to get away with that. There has to be consequences to this. Those in power have to know if they behave this way, shit's going to hit the fan. And this governor is a terrorist. He cannot get away with a misdemeanor. One of the best things I saw this week was um, how many ex-wives or ex-girlfriends were turning in their ex-husbands and boyfriends because they saw the picture of them as part of the insurrection. And I thought, wow, the FBI, should they should set up like an ex's hotline. Because if anybody knows these guys, it's, it's the women that used to have to tolerate them. If you're one of them, make that call. Make that call. You know better than anybody, and you know where he's where he's hidden a lot of his weapons too, probably. So let them know that. You know, I said after Trump was elected and he did the Muslim ban there in the first week and started doing all these awful things, and I made some comment on some show. I said this guy, this guy's going to get us all killed. And I said it in the way that it's kind of a a cliche that you know it gets said, but I never really realized that how much truth there was to me just being flippant like that. Now, this guy, he's going to get us all killed. It's certainly what he's done with the coronavirus, the lack of action, the lack of organization, the mess that this whole thing is that we're in now. With the, with the doses of the vaccine, him telling us it was a hoax, it wasn't real, it was going to be over in a few weeks. Even though he tells Bob Woodward on the phone, he called it the plague, the plague. So he knew. He knew and he lied to everybody else. Oh, 
Tomorrow's Martin Luther King Day. One of our greatest Americans. It took a it took a decade or two before people were willing to recognize this day. And it's so sad that all this violence, this hate, it all takes place in this week. And the fear that we have to live in now <clears throat> with the inauguration. You know, I haven't really talked to you much about I, I, I uh, about some, someday I'm going to tell you about. 16 years ago, I said I founded a, a film festival in the small town that I live in in northern Michigan. And we have this festival every year now. We've had it, we, but we didn't have it last year because of the pandemic last summer. We have two theaters that we restored. One of them is 105 years old. And uh, we haven't been able to show movies. So I just started a virtual movie theater within our nonprofit that we use to run the festival in, the, uh, in these theaters. And so um, we worked out a, a deal with the distributor to show um, the James Baldwin documentary that was nominated for an Oscar a couple years ago called I Am Not Your Negro, uh, the writings of James Baldwin, narrated by Samuel L. Jackson. It's such a powerful film. If you haven't seen it, I, I'd like to invite you to, to watch it with us in, in northern Michigan where uh, we've got it up on our site. It's free. You don't have to pay anything. Um, you just go to thevirtualstate.org, thevirtualstate.org, and I'll, I'll put a link on, the, on, the, uh, on my Facebook page here. I'll, I'll post something so you can link to it and, uh, and, and watch it. Um, and what you do is you stream it. You stream it on your device or your computer or your, your television set. Um, but it's a great film to watch. It's a great film to have your teenagers watch this week. I Am Not Your Negro, um, a film by Raoul Peck, a great um, filmmaker um, from Haiti. Brilliant, brilliant individual. And this is one of the best documentaries ever made. Um, so I invite you to watch it with me tomorrow uh, or the next day. And uh, it's, um, I think it, it'll, it'll do you some good this week, especially. Um, I don't know. Let's see, how long have I been on here? Uh, probably longer than I promised. It's been a little over a half hour. So how about if we just take maybe five minutes of questions and I will do my best. I've got my reading glasses on uh, so I can see. Um, uh, Lydia says, Michael, please do more of, of these Facebook Lives more often. Uh, I promise I will. I, I know I do. I, I haven't done these in a while, and I love I love doing it. Put the link up for the movie. I will do that. You'll see it on Facebook here after, after we're done. Um, and uh, uh, let's see what else here. Um, Oh, it's, I think I've pinned it now. Yes. Oh, uh, yes. One of my friends has pinned it at the bottom, the link uh, to thevirtualstate.org. Um, and uh, let's see, what else here do we have? Uh, well, people are still joining us. Uh, this is an incredible number of people to be watching this time of night. So thank you, everybody. Every person in Flint should get a million dollars and free health care and education. Agreed. And all new plumbing in your home because the water still is still affected. It's still toxic. 
Even if it's clean water coming in, it's coming through pipes that have been ruined. Someone who was there at Columbine when the shooting happened, still suffering from PTSD. I'm so sorry about that. I know. So many things that we have to fix in this country. Uh, Thank you, Mike. We love to hear from you. Um, You help us educate our children. Thank you for that. Uh, They grew up watching your films. That makes me feel so good and and old. And (laughs) um, uh, even here, I'm living in Germany. I just can't believe what we're watching back home. (sighs) I know. I know. It's got to be. What else do we have here? Anybody else has got a question? I mean, thank you for all these wonderful things you're saying about me. Um, please, Mike, when Broadway comes back, please do another show. Uh, I had such a great time with, with my one-man show a couple years ago. I will definitely come back and do that. I promise that. Um, my father has been brainwashed by the GOP and their propaganda. I know so many families. What to do about that? Um, could you help us understand uh, what we might be in for in terms of domestic terrorism in the next year. Well, this is what I've watched the beginning of this because we're going to have this for the next four years while Biden is president unless we act now. I can't stress that enough. Your voice must be heard. You must demand it and then the next day call again and demand it again and keep demanding it. Remember, one of the reasons that they didn't go on their armed marches today and why they're not going to do it tomorrow is because they, you know, They read the wind. They know that the American public has had it and were appalled by what happened on January 6th. They know the trouble they're in now. And they are going to get those knocks on the door. And the neighbors are paying attention now. So so be active. Don't hide. Don't be afraid of these people. Um, Somebody calling or writing here, they loved my movie Where to Invade Next. Yes, I really encourage, if you've not seen Where to Invade Next, of, of all my movies right now, I think that's really, with our new administration, maybe the most important one to watch, if you could find it wherever it's, uh, on whatever streaming platform it's on, Where to Invade Next. Um, I go to nine countries and show you how they do things right. It's very simple things that we can do, very simply, right here, to make our country a better place. Um, so... I see people are watching from different countries, from the UK, from France, New Zealand. Uh, thank you, all of you who've tuned into this uh, from elsewhere. I know you've been very worried about us. I know that you were very happy about the election in November. You feel the world's maybe going to be a bit safer. I believe that's true. And, and I think Biden is going to surprise a lot of us. I really do. And, but that doesn't mean that we, we, we're in these, in future Facebook lives and other things I'll be posting and on my podcast. Please listen to Rumble. It's free. It's my podcast. I do it a couple times a week. Um, I will put forth what we need to be doing to help the Biden administration do the right thing. Because I know they want to do the right thing. And they just may need a little bit of our help. Who's with me on that, right? Everybody. We've got to do this. We don't have to play defense anymore. The ball. We got the ball. I mean, personally, we don't actually have it. But people on our team have it, so we'll get them to share the ball, perhaps, right? Um, okay, we, I think maybe we've got time for one more. Um, you know, I see what you're, a lot of people are saying here, what to do, what to do, what to do. I'll repeat again what I said 
I said on James Corden on Thursday night. I posted that on Facebook and the other social media today. My appearance on James Corden, I was really happy with how that turned out. If you get a chance to watch that, or and I'll put up my appearance on Brian Williams on Friday night. I said some things about this, what I'm going to say right now. Um, it seems like when you got 74 million people that are doing the wrong thing, voting for Trump, how the hell are you ever going to turn them around? And what I say to people when they say this to me is, we used to have 74 million or more smokers in this country. How would we get them to stop? How'd that happen? Remember back when they were talking about like not allowing smoking in restaurants or bars or all this? I mean, they tried for like 20, 30, 40 years. They put warnings on the packages. They charged a lot of cigarette taxes. Didn't work. But finally it worked. It worked because people did not want to be shunned. They, they, people want to live as part of the community. They want to be liked by people. They want to be, they don't want to be the only one that looks like the crazy person at Thanksgiving dinner. Rely on that, that basic thing about us, uh, us as human beings, that we want to get along and we want people to like us. And if we're annoying people by blowing cigarette smoke in their face, you know, maybe we got to stop. And that's what happened. We've gone from, I don't know what, the, I know, I got to look up these numbers, but I know it was like, you know, half the adults used to smoke. Now, what is it? 15, 20%? You know, things do change. People who do crazy things, stop doing them. So that's, that's one way to deal with this. Another way is to, if you can talk to people that do not share our point of view, to remind them that no matter how much they hate us, as liberal, lefty, Democrats, socialists, whatever, we are constantly working to make their life better. We don't work for things that just benefit the 1%, like Republicans and Trump do. We work for things like making sure when you go to the doctor, you're not going to lose your house. When you go to the doctor, when we really have the same health care that people have around the world, um, you're not going to have to get your wallet out before the, before the doctor will see you. You're, we're going to have universal health care for everybody. We're going to raise the minimum wage from $7 and some cents an hour to $15 minimum an hour. Biden's chief of staff said today on, the, on one of those talk shows, minimum wage people make $15,000. That's the poverty level, $15,000 a year. Immediately, immediately, they're going to get this raised to where the lowest you could make, where the, where the bottom line, the poverty line is going to be at 32000 a year. Now, that's still not a living wage in a lot of places. But it ain't 15000 a year. It's going to be more than double. We're going to do that for you. Even though you're a Republican or a QAnon or whatever you are, we're going to make sure that you get more money. If you're a woman, you're going to get paid the same as men if you get sick, we're going to cover you. If your kids want to go to college and you don't have the money, it's going to be a free tuition at public universities, four-year universities and community college. We're going to do all these things for you, people that we don't get along with. Just, I think the more we do that and the more that they see 
after a few years, wow, you mean there's no copay? Where's the deductible? There's no deductible? Who did that? And the Democrats. Oh. It'll take a while for them to process it, but they will. So things will change that way. And their kids are going to be okay because we are all committed to making sure every one of our public schools is a great public school. We're, we're committed to making sure we have every library open in every neighborhood across America. Those libraries should be packed with books, whether they're these books or these books. There's books. And the more those kids read and the more they're educated, the better chance we have that they're not going to be easily swayed by crazy ideas. I have a big belief in this, that this next generation is going to help turn this around. And we can make sure that happens if we take care of this country and we do a lot of these things that we say that we're going to do. And in two years from now, in 2022, we have to throw so many Republicans out. And you've got to do it in your state legislatures. You've got to do it on your city councils. You've got to get rid of these people because they're really good at what they do. And they're good at getting elected to offices they have no right being elected to. They're good at gerrymandering. They're good at voter suppression. Because they know, this is what I love about them, they know they have to voter suppress because they know the American people don't like them. Don't want to vote for them anymore. What did, what did Biden win by? 7 million, 8 million votes? Hillary won by 3 million? Gore won by half a million. I mean, we've come a long way since Gore. Half a million, three million, almost eight million. That's because the people are with us. So we just have to get the laws fixed so that their votes count and make sure they're always counted. And you have to think about running for office, some of you, some a local office, school board, city clerk, commissioner, county commissioner, something. But you've got to get, get good people to run for your state representative and state senators in 2022, find the best people in town. Find that beloved teacher everybody loves in town. That person should run. Find a, find a hardworking, smart, working person, a nurse, a teacher. Um, and if they've got the time and they're willing to knock on every door in the city, in the town, in the district, knock on it once and then do it again. Knock on it twice. That's how you win. But you got to have the time and you got to have the resolve to do that. These are, we have a lot of things we need to do. Um, I've gone a, a little long here, but uh, I will, I will do this uh, more often. And I see somebody has pinned uh, part one of my James Corden interview uh, from the other night. I really enjoyed, I'd never been on his show before. And I had, I really enjoyed talking to him and um so it's listed, I think, in like three parts. You'll see three different segments on YouTube. And one of the segments is we ran long, so they, I don't know how they would run long with me on as a guest. I mean, really. But there, there was a six-minute segment that they did in the air on Thursday night, and it's there. Um, and you can watch that. You can watch that, too. So watch the James Baldwin film. Um starring the voice of Samuel L. Jackson uh, with me this week. It's free. Um, uh, if you can't find it, look for it, look for it on, 
uh, on Google, the virtual state. It's part of the Traverse City Film Festival. Um, and then I'll tell you more about the film festival and how we helped um, save our town by reopening the this theater and then building another theater in downtown. And uh, and it's done a lot of good. And maybe um, I can show you how it could do some good in your towns, which would be a great thing. So um, that's it uh, for tonight. Uh, don't forget ex-wives and ex-girlfriends. You have a job to do this week. You know who these guys are. You know where they're hiding. And remember, all calls, all tip calls are confidential. So uh, thank you for doing uh, that service uh, to your fellow country women and men. Um, thank you, all of you who've tuned into this. Um, and, and we'll talk again. We'll talk again soon. Um, I am weirdly optimistic. I mainly tonight just feel good that I don't think we're, a lot of people are going to die this week. I know, boy, that my, the bar is pretty low, isn't it, for trying to feel better about what's going on. But there's a lot of hope coming from this inauguration uh, this um, Wednesday. But the hope, as I've told you before, um, as Jeff says, hopium. We don't want hopium. The hope isn't going to happen on its own. It's only going to happen because you and I make it happen. You and I. You know, lock our arms around the Biden administration, you know, like this, and hold them and lead them to what they need to be doing. And I think that they'll do it. Not all of it. I know that. A lot of it. We can make this happen. Okay, my friends, bless you. Um, happy Martin Luther King Day. How fortunate we were to have him. He only lived till he was 39 years old. What a brave, brave soul. Wow. If all of us had just one-tenth of that bravery, that courage, that resolve, what kind of country would this look like? Don't you want to see it in your lifetime? I mean, I do. So I give huge gratitude to Martin Luther King, to all who have struggled and fought over the years to make this a better country. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, everybody, um, for participating in this. Uh, I hope it looked okay and sounded okay. I just kind of came in here and, and started uh, uh, doing this. But um, just being, I'm giving, giving some uh, instru. Oh, <laughs> Sorry, there's some friends of mine who have ex-husbands are already, they're already looking for the tip line. I know I don't have the, I don't have the number. I'm sorry. I know this and this is a great idea, right? Who would know better than the women who've had to put up with these men? Come on, exes, exes for America. All right. I love all of you. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll talk again uh, soon. Uh, take care.